smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello and welcome to mint i am nasreen sultana i am an assistant editor at mint i keep a close track of all that is happening in the world of stock markets you are listening to all things markets where i speak to experts analyzing the big trends moving the stock markets in the budget for fy22 the government has made around 34% higher allocation to infrastructure development the government has expanded its national infrastructure pipeline to cover more projects while also setting up a new development finance institution or dfi The government is looking to monetize brownfield projects, track asset monetization, set up investment trusts to attract global funds, and provide enhanced funding to states and autonomous bodies. It is also considering another rescue scheme for power distribution companies. So, what does all the budget proposals for the infrastructure mean for the sector? will there be any implementation hurdles to discuss that i'm joined by harsha ceo of indigrid hi harsh welcome to the show thanks nasti so harsh uh, you know it's been a month uh, that the budget announcements were done and there were a lot of conversations about the infrastructure of course the fm made a lot of proposals and investment commitment towards infrastructure so if i can take your comment how do you see uh, the the infrastructure spending like likely to be in fy22 so i think uh, this this budget especially for infrastructure sector if i may describe it in a single line i would say it is uh, the most honest attempt to fix the potholes of infrastructure uh, and uh, i think be it uh, financing to road sector to monetization to power sector i think this budget has included a wide set of initiatives which i believe will set a foundation stone for next 10 years to come and it would certainly give a boost to uh, infrastructure investment uh, whether in 2021 or 2022 will depend on how the budget initiatives get implemented but certainly in terms of directions and the decisions that has been uh, put forward by the minister of finance i think uh, certainly this is one of the transformational budget for infrastructure sector as we uh, are just emerging out of a covid situation it it is a pandemic and uh, we have a vaccination uh, process going on no doubt but we are not out of the pandemic yet there could be lockdowns and there are uh, as we speak there are lockdowns in few districts of maharashtra even so how do you how do you see this uh, infrastructure commitment or the investment to be uh, realistic in the in terms of implementation i would just separate the covid from the from the implementation on infrastructure sector reforms as well as investment uh, for few reasons one why no none of us can say that covid is uh, gone but on the other hand there is significantly high confidence on account of the vaccination drive which has started right i mean think about a year ago uh, when covid had started we didn't know whether there is a vaccine and if there will be a vaccine right so today as we stand in la- in 12 months into the pandemic i think there is certainly a high confidence on 
that there is a vaccine and it is converted into an uncertainty to a much more manageable challenge of vaccinate majority of population. Right? So that's one phase shift uh, of the uncertainty that has taken place. Uh, second is that within COVID as well, I mean, India touch wood, whether it is for the sake of uh, better management or better genes or luck, uh, have been relatively doing better than the rest of the countries. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, you know the lockdown may not happen, but it certainly means that we are in a better place to focus on the economy uh, and and you know get back to normalized life. So I would say that COVID and the infrastructure sector as well as investment is quite a bit delinked by now. And if you look at any high frequency indicator of economic output, whether it is electricity consumption, whether it is toll collection, whether it is port data. All of them have shown significant improvements, not just with respect to the COVID period, but also a period before that. Right. So, so I think in terms of direction, uh, this is clearly looking like uh, uh, not just green shoots anymore, a substantial amount of uh, activity taking place in the country. Maybe it's a good time to take a stock of situation, how COVID had had an impact on infrastructure. Most of the spending, at least by the private players, were delayed. Uh, government spending, of course, started, but towards the end of the last year and uh, in Jan, uh, Jan to March period, of course. So uh, what do you think? You think the delayed projects, uh, both in power sector, and if I can ask you about the entire infra, uh, do you think the projects that were delayed or pending of last year fiscal and for FY22, do you think this one and a half year or one one year, one quarter uh, will be enough to kind of meet the deadlines? Uh, yeah, so good. I, I'll just divide that into two buckets. I think the time lost on COVID is a lost time, right? I don't think we can we can recover that amount of time frame. If we just go before COVID, uh, and as you rightly put, there was a slow uh, growth in terms of investment of private sector in infrastructure. Uh, however, I think as we see the last quarter and even last couple of quarters of data, that is uh, coming back. I won't say it's recovered fully because the private sector investment in infrastructure was waiting for many of these reforms that are getting announced. Okay. But how long will it take uh, you know, to get to the pre-COVID level? And um, I understand even before COVID, the investments uh, and the infrastructure was not, uh, you know, was not in the health, uh, you know, if I can say in the healthy, the most healthiest uh, form. But even uh, are we at a pre-COVID level uh, in, in terms of the infrastructure spending? And secondly, if not, then by when do you think we will at least reach the pre-COVID level? Yeah, so I think I don't have the exact data of the overall sector, but I would certainly say that in terms of infrastructure investment by private sector, we are pre-COVID. Uh, we are not languishing behind that. So on a run rate basis, we are already there in terms of investment. And uh, if, if you say going forward, I think we'll see by the end of 2021, we would be far ahead of the COVID level or pre-COVID level infrastructure investment by private sector. 
Okay. Now shifting focus to the power sector, sector that you actually, uh, you are very closely working in. Uh, so what do you think, uh, if I have to ask you about your outlook for FI22, we are just about a month to start the new year. Uh, uh, we are starting fresh uh, for all the sectors now. So what is your outlook for power sector in FI22? Sure. So I think power sector uh, and one for FI22 before we go to 22 in general has become a far more uh, dynamic sector. I think if you guys go five years ago, 10 years ago, the power sector was about large power plants, thermal power plants, and five UMPPs coming up, and that was the power sector, right? Uh, now what has happened is that power sector is becoming a hot pot of technology innovation regulatory innovation and financing innovation. So we are pretty excited about the scope and uh, investment in power sector uh, in FI22 as well as over next decade. And if, if uh, I can give you just a uh, high level direction of some of the reasons. So first is uh, across the world, the energy consumption, rather let's say cost of energy produced by renewable energy has come down dramatically, right, in terms of per unit cost. What that has done is to ensure that you can electrify all of your devices. And when I say all of your devices, including your car, to your, I mean, home devices are already electrified, so to your heating. So essentially, what power sector will see through a change over next decade is that it will be, it will eat into the oil and gas pipe. Right. So not just the sector itself, sector will expand by eating into oil and gas pipe because the cost of energy production and consumption is going to be substantially lower in comparison to you know, use of oil and gas. So that's the expansion of the sector at one level that we see. At the other level, uh, the technology innovation is uh, at the heart of it. One, will we be able to reduce the cost of renewable energy generation consistently and there is certainly we have reduced it materially but will the sector continue to do it second will the battery cost which is an important uh, factor in expanding power sector will continue to come down and the directions are clearly in the positive side of that and the third is will we have infrastructure to support generation of power in the best place, whether it's hydro or solar or wind, and consumption of power at the appropriate places. So, for example, let's say your mobility infrastructure, your EV charging infrastructure, your transmission infrastructure, health of your distribution company, will we be able to transform that? So, between these three axes, uh, we see power sector expanding its mix in terms of, uh, in, rather, power sector eating into the oil and gas energy mix. Second, we see substantial amount of technology innovation and investment happening in the sector. And third, we are seeing uh, government of India is taking, I would say, enormous amount of steps from a regulatory and policy making to enable the first two. Right. Actually, you preempted my question. I wanted to, uh, you know, discuss about the the uh, the mobility. A issue that you just talked about the power sector infrastructure um, helping the mobility uh, 
uh, side. Now, there's a lot of conversation about EV, the electric vehicles. Uh, how do you think India's infrastructure or do you think India's infrastructure is ready to kind of have a trans transformation to uh, EV mode of vehicles? I'm not talking about metros like Bombay or Delhi. I'm talking about uh, the semi-urban uh, cities or maybe, uh, you know, in few years in the rural areas also. <laughs> Like, are the infrastructure enough uh, to kind of help the EVs have to have a, a seamless uh, mobility across the country? Sure. Let's understand there, there is going to be a, a parallel movement in this sector. One is that EVs will become more efficient. And when I say more efficient, not in terms of uh, motor efficiency, but in terms of battery efficiency. And second, in terms of manufacturing cost. Right? Because EVs today, the biggest impediment in adoption besides mm. infrastructure is the cost of an uh, electric vehicle. Right? It right. is substantially expensive. So will we be able to produce those vehicles of high quality with domestic manufacturing or anywhere else, which makes it cheaper to adopt? Because the variable costs are certainly cheaper than oil and gas. So that's very clear. But will we be able to reduce the ticket size of an EV vehicle by one half. That's that's one question. And there are certainly movements toward that. But I think that is something which is certainly addressable. The second question that you ask is with respect to infrastructure. Now, at the end of the day, electric mobility infrastructure need not be substantially different than the way of delivering electricity at home. Right. So today you have, I would say, even in semi-urban areas, substantial amount of electrification done. And if we go with the government of India data, even the rural household are electrification is done, right? So as such, the reach of electricity is fairly covered. What will require them to be, I would say, channelized towards supporting EV yes. is one, uh, can that reach be made more reliable, right? That, you know, it's not that you get power four hours a day because then, yes. then you can't really use it. So that requires investment in delivery infrastructure, whether yeah. we call it distribution or transmission and generation uh, infrastructure. So that generation infrastructure, we keep hearing about, right? How many megawatts of capacity mm -hmm. is coming? But the real uh, driver over here is going to be the delivery infrastructure, be it transmission, be it distribution to the last mile. Right? So mm -hmm. that's one big part of the investment, which will enable that. And it is already happening. But again, that, that needs to be at a different level to provide reliable electricity to the factors or parts of the country that we have already reached. Right? So that's reach is an important one. The other part of the infrastructure for mobility is the charging devices. Again, I think that is an easier problem to fix. The moment there is scale, charging devices themselves are not very expensive. They will keep up with the, uh, I would say, cost curve. And you will see in the next five years, whether your parking of your office or your building, as well as your residence, you will see charging infrastructure being sold like a commodity, right? That, that you know, you put this and you can charge your vehicle from there. But I think that's an ancillary infrastructure. That is an easier problem to fix. The biggest problem in making or rather enabling EVs to reach its pinnacle in India is going to be investment in delivery infrastructure. Right. Uh, one last question I want to squeeze in here is about the DISCOMs uh, outstanding. And uh, this is not uh, something new that India 
uh, India has been facing. If yes. I have to refer to the December December month's uh, data, then the discounts outstanding has had risen to twenty four percent in December. So how do you uh, you know how how do you see this issue getting resolved? Uh, the 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 amount that keeps piling on, and uh, what is your outlook on that? Great. So and I think the the way you put it is very accurate. The amount that gets keep piling on. So so, so you know I would. Uh, the the short term outlook i think the government is trying what it can do in terms of you know uh, even electricity reforms that the government is talking about including privatization of some of the distribution companies uh and you know eventually expanding that to the rest of the country i mean we have seen uh, one of large privatization happening in orissa where tata power won a large chunk uh, the second one we saw getting bidded out in uh, dadra nagar haveli where torrent power one third one is in chandigarh which is under debate or discussion or litigation so i think one part of the uh, solution is to really make distribution companies more efficient and for that one of the ways which government has already started announcing and implementing is privatizing discount right and you seen that uh fairly fast uh, with dadra nagar and uh, orissa examples so that is one initiative which will help this the second initiative which government has already taken into for which the regulations are uh, in the i would say parliament to get approved is to separate power and wire so what this means is today distribution companies are monopolies in the particular franchisee that they work with right in the particular geography what that does is to uh, make the overall system less efficient with the separation of power and wire you will see efficiencies in the country kicking in because let's say you pick up a geography and say this has lot of losses and loss making entities can i produce power at a cheaper cost and provide to this constituency and earn a healthy margin which will eventually uh you know make a more efficient system and therefore the foundation stone of the efficient distribution is separation of power and wire which has been laid or let's say which is getting approved in the parliament so which is a big transformational decision to kind of delicense the entire distribution business so there will be more competition more investment and eventually you will see the benefits coming in 5 to 7 years it is not going to be here and now immediate but it's going to take 5 to 7 years to reap gains of that the third part of this solution is kind of social right a large part of our distribution losses today are on account of theft which is a social evil that you know people prefer to you know steal power than really pay for it and including governments using free power as a tool so i think those social elements have laid again foundations to change it but we'll have to see how our society adopts that to really pay for the electricity that we use uh and the 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 last one in in distribution that that we see is which is slightly different so let's say you know this budget also announced for a bad bank right and bad bank is nothing but a compilation of all the npas in a particular sector mm. and really make a good recovery of it right yes now, considering just just look at the parallel between a bad bank and a distribution losses 
Mm. I don't see much difference between them because uh, uh, distribution losses and receivables mm. are equal to an NPA for the banking system in the country, right? And the banking system in the country, whatever the NPAs have seen, is largely on account of customers not paying what they agreed to pay, right? Besides to the execution delays, the bad bank concept can very well be implemented in the distribution. business as well however that has two challenges one if government takes all bad banks or other bad debts of discoms and put it into one kitty right it is going to result into a fiscal load plus the distribution companies will not improve because they have no incentive to improve beyond that right so mm-hmm. unfortunately you'll have more losses getting piled up on so now the way i see outlook for 5 to 10 years from now as we see the first few initiatives taking material shape which is privatization separation of wire and power and more private sectors coming in owning and building capability to deliver efficient electricity to household the only solution in a 10 year period that i see for all the receivable is make a bad bank out of discom receivables because uh, that is the only way to take off somebody is not paid let's say 2 lakh crores a bill somebody will have to foot that bill right in the country otherwise yes. it is, it is yes. going to get kept piling on so the yes. first few initiatives are towards reducing the incremental pile on of losses and receivable but the last one which is a one time settlement of this couple of lakh crores of losses is going to be uh, the solution in future right a very interesting point that you raised that probably like a parallel to the bad bank we need to kind of look at it from that perspective for the power discoms as well so on that note harsh thanks a lot for that interesting perspective and thank you so much for giving your time thank you thanks a lot nasreen for feedback you can write to me at nasreen.s@lifemin.com or you can reach out to me on twitter at nasreen story You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.